Oh, yeah. Madness. Uh, that's the topic this week on the Overnightscape Central. And uh, this could be total madness here. Because, I mean, there's, there's insanity and there's madness. Um, I remember uh, back, uh, I don't know, now it's probably about 10, 12 years ago when there was a Yahoo chat. I was an avid Yahoo chatter from the time just about that it started right until the very uh, instant that they turned their chat servers off. I don't know, I think it was about 2012 when they finally gave up the ghost on that entire thing. And uh, it was just uh, an amazing experiment in uh, social... uh, networking so to speak i mean it it really turned it it was unmoderated chat which means it just would eventually collapse into chaos and trolling and craziness but uh, it also attracted people who didn't have to work were home all day all night so uh a few times we ran into some uh, genuine madness and some genuine descents into madness. Uh, I'm going to cite one particular uh, instance of... Uh, s- s- there, was, there was this girl, and yeah, she seemed to be a little... But everybody in chat was a little off and crazy in one way or another. But... Uh, Uh, She friended me on Facebook, and years have gone by, and she's still there. But I have uh, viewed a decline uh, from somebody who just seemed to maybe be a little um, oversexed, so to speak. I mean, other people in the room had uh, to-dos with, I, I just, because of the way things shift, I'm not saying I wouldn't have. I'm saying that the opportunity just never arose and I was in other situations and uh, not being in other situations. So we just never crossed paths that way. But uh, all of a sudden on her Facebook page, she starts talking about uh, voices, waves uh, that uh, would affect her uh the effects from birds and uh, certain days the birds are angry I mean this is a video but you know what I mean uh, and some days I mean I've actually you know how you can go to Facebook and put them away for 30 days and they'll come I've done that uh, several times because it really I what I certainly don't know how to engage with that and those who know me know I probably shouldn't because I will do no good I will say something anything I say will make the situation worse and again this is not something I'm that vested in but the idea that I'm able to observe it is intriguing because this this I mean, when you think the animals know something you don't and they're trying to tell you, things like that, I think, are hallmarks of uh, a genuine 
madness. Madness is a lot more poetic than insanity, maybe, is what I'm thinking. And uh, I could be just off on some uh, tangential way of looking at it that has nothing to do with it. Uh, but I, I'll stick with it for now. And we will see how at least several of our hosts uh, feel about madness before we part company here on this overnight scape central and uh to open up the uh the pickle jar so to speak uh, uh we haven't heard from dave in kentucky in quite some time he's been off doing some really interesting uh what he calls sermons but don't you know i am not those who know me pq river is no like christian person who goes to church or but i find uh dave's material just intriguing and fascinating and there's really it's good stuff and if uh, it even gives you the slightest thought that you might want to check it out i would say you probably want to check it out. Let's listen to Dave together here. You know what's madness? Madness is everybody, our, our world leaders, uh, or so-called world leaders anyway, everybody pushing for World War III. You know, you got Putin invading the Ukraine, which is madness. <laughs> But then you got Zelensky asking for a no-fly zone, which is also madness, because that would almost certainly kick off World War III. And when people point that out to him, he just shrugs and says, well, you know, World War III has already started. Now, thankfully, whoever's running the United States uh, and NATO hasn't been mad enough to uh, grant that request. <laughs> At least not yet, but they are mad enough to want to engage in a, a proxy war against Russia, um, and the Americans seem to be happy to uh, fight to the last Ukrainian <laughs> rather than try to um, um, work for some sort of peace deal. And uh, people will say, "Well, we have to do something. We can't just let Putin take over." You know, he'll roll all across Europe like Hitler did. But, you know, I don't remember hearing that when Putin invaded Georgia in 2008 or the Crimea in 2014. So um, what's the big difference now? It's just that our so-called leaders have more financial interests in the Ukraine than they did in Georgia or or. Um, the Crimea, or that might be it anyway. I don't know. There are some prominent families who are making some big bucks over there. By the way, this current war has been going on since 2014. Um, you know, when the, the date when uh, Putin invaded the Crimea, uh, annexed it. And, um, you know, Ukraine has been shelling the Donbass region hope I said that right, um, which is pro-Russia and, and it wants to secede from Ukraine for those eight years, you know, since 2014. So Putin's not the only one 
committing atrocities. Um, you know, I think the Ukraine should be able to be independent from Russia, but Donbass should, or boss, whatever, should also be able to be independent from Ukraine. You know, the right to secede is, is a very important right. Um, well, technically states don't have rights. People have rights. States have powers. But I guess the power to secede. Kentucky seceded from uh, Virginia very early on and became the 15th state. Um, and that's why in other places I've said that uh, Kentucky was West Virginia before West Virginia. You know, Kentucky, it was Kentucky County um, in the far western part of, of Virginia, uh, but it was way too big to be a county, you know. Travel to the county seat was, uh, was a little too rough, you know, too long of a, too long of a journey. Um, in West Virginia, you know, they seceded from Virginia much later after, um, Virginia seceded from the Union. And it was a, just a union then, not a nation, you know, like the European Union. Um, would the EU have been justified in invading Britain because of Brexit? I think that would have been madness, but that's pretty much what Lincoln did. Uh, <laughs> I think he was a madman who uh, made war on his own people. And you may argue with me uh, saying that they're no longer his people if they seceded, but he claimed to believe that they had no right to secede. So how could they have seceded? You know, that's why they called it a civil war instead of a war between the states. If it's a civil war, it takes place in a single country. And if it was a single country, he was making war on his own countrymen. Which is not to say that the southern states were in the right. They were actually wrong to secede for the reason that they did, you know, for the purpose of perpetuating slavery. But Lincoln was also wrong to make war on them to save the Union, as he put it. He didn't save the Union. He, he changed the Union into a nation. And you may think that's a good thing, but it isn't necessarily a good thing because it concentrates power in one central authority. Before the war, the United States were plural. After the war, the United States was singular, indivisible, as they uh, later put it in the Pledge of Allegiance. You see, propaganda paints everything as black and white, um, right versus wrong, good versus evil, but more often than not, it's evil versus evil. You know, like the communists versus the Nazis in World War II. It's too bad, really, that we couldn't just stand aside and let those two groups destroy each other, um, which I guess we might have been able to do if Hitler hadn't attacked Britain. <laughs> that was uh, one of his many errors as a uh, military leader. But no, you know, we became, instead of staying out of it, we became allies with Stalin, even though he was just as bad as Hitler, if not worse. Their propaganda demonized Hitler and, and whitewashed Stalin. 
and have been whitewashing Stalin for a long time. You know, look up, uh, um, what was that guy's name? Um, Durante, Walter Durante, no, no relation to Jimmy, spelled different too. You know, the, he was the Moscow correspondent for uh, the New York Times. <sighs> Told some major untruths about uh, what was going on in, in the Soviet Union. So everybody thought that Uncle Joe was a good guy when he was um, <laughs> far from it. You know, so Hitler being a bad guy didn't mean Stalin was a good guy. You know, you're, 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 um, you're, um, the enemy of your enemy is not necessarily your friend. And Putin being a bad guy doesn't make Zelensky a good guy either. He may not be quite as bad as Putin, but he does have a history of, you know, jailing or, um, imprisoning his political rivals, uh, closing down media outlets, the ones that criticize him, and, and outlawing uh, political parties, although he hasn't outlawed the Nazi party, apparently, because they have their own battalion in the uh, Ukrainian National Guard, officially. So Zelensky's a bad guy, even though he's, a, he's, he's Jewish, even though he's Jewish, but, you know, that's... That's a nice way to uh, cover it up, I guess. So Zelensky's a bad guy, but, you know, again, that doesn't mean Putin is a good guy. You know, if you've listened to any of my uh, sermons shows, you probably noticed that the Old Testament God, uh, Yahweh, can be a pretty bad guy, kind of a demiurge, as uh, I learned from Frank. But that doesn't make the devil a good guy. He's just the worser of two evils. Um, but, you know, you're going to say, well, maybe Zelensky's a bad guy, but we need to get involved because Ukrainian civilians um, are being slaughtered. And, yeah, that's that's terrible. It's, it's awful what's happening. But do you really think that the U.S. getting involved in, in a war you know, going to war is ever going to lead to fewer casualties? When did that ever happen? If they go in, there'll be more casualties, not fewer. Uh, massive casualties if, uh, if, uh, if the war went nuclear. The thing that worries me is that I suspect the elites want massive casualties. It's the number one item on the Georgia Guidestones to maintain the Earth's population under 500 million. And 500 million may sound like a lot until you realize that it's just half a billion. And the Earth's population is already over seven and a half billion. So if they're serious about that 500 million thing, they're going to have to eliminate over seven billion people somehow. Over 93% of the current population. And what better way to do that than to have a worldwide nuclear war? I think they're disappointed that COVID didn't kill more people or hasn't killed more people and that the um, vaccines haven't killed more people so far. They can use World War III to kill us off quickly 
or they can just use the threat of nuclear war to kill us off more slowly through sanctions. Biden's already said the sanctions are going to lead to food shortages, which means famine, or famine for some people anyway, some parts of the world. Maybe it won't be that bad here. But, you know, they're unleashing the four horsemen, pestilence, war, famine, and death. It's madness. You know, on those Georgia Guidestones, I always thought Ted Turner had something to do with those being erected. They were in his state, uh, and they reflected his views, his elitist views. <laughs> Maybe he's not or wasn't evil enough to want to kill off 7 billion people, but there are plenty of more powerful more evil elites who would do that in a heartbeat if they thought they could survive it comfortably down in their little bunkers in New Zealand or wherever. But, you know, since their survival likely wouldn't be all that comfortable, they're probably going to opt for uh, using the threat of nuclear war as an excuse to lock everybody down and starve us out, you know, like they've been all doing already with um, COVID as the excuse. You know, the sanctions that they pretend to use against Putin and the sanctions that they pretend to use against COVID are really sanctions against us. Uh, food shortages, supply chain disruptions, inflation, high fuel prices. You know, these are not bugs in their program. They're features. Are the sanctions that they're using to make war against their own people. Now, you may think that what I'm saying is madness. <laughs> Last time on the exit ramp, somebody was talking about how um, Joe Rogan had gotten some of his podcasts removed off of Spotify. I'm sure you heard about it. Because he had people on with nutty ideas. Hope you can hear the scare quotes. Um, nutty ideas about COVID and the COVID vaccines. Now, one of these nutty people was uh, Dr. Robert Malone. And in case you don't know who this uh, nutty guy is, I'll, I'll read you the opening paragraph from an article in the uh, science journal Nature from September 2021. Quote, in late 1987, Robert Malone performed a landmark experiment. He mixed strands of messenger RNA with droplets of fat to create a kind of molecular stew. Human cells bathed in this genetic gumbo absorbed the mRNA and began producing proteins from it. Realizing that this discovery might have far-reaching potential in medicine, Malone, a graduate student at the Salk Institute for Biological Studies in La Jolla, California, later jotted down some notes which he signed and dated. If cells could create proteins from mRNA delivered into them, he wrote on 11 January 1988, it might be possible to treat RNA as a drug. Another member of the Salk Lab signed the notes, too, for posterity. Uh, 
Later that year, Malone's experiments showed that frog embryos absorbed, absorbed such mRNA. It was the first time anyone had used fatty droplets to ease mRNA's passage into a living organism. Those experiments were a stepping stone towards two of the most important and profitable vaccines in history, the mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccines given to hundreds of millions of people around the world. Unquote. Now, I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like this nutty guy might actually have the background to know what he's talking about. You know. Oh, Dave, oh, Dave. I'm glad I wasn't there for that particular moment in exit ramp history because that whoever was saying that really would have just... Uh, being willfully ignorant is inexcusable. I mean, uh, and unfortunately, people have been sitting there uh, being malinformed by uh, entities that were once considered like this was. Th it's still there are people who consider these mainstream outlets, and every day you see, if you're looking carefully, things being happening, being malexplained. And the mal-explanation that comes out at first is just so damaging and wrong, but that's what hits the news first, and the mainstream media just hammers at it. And this narrative, more often than not, and not just like 51 to 49 percent, more like 75 to 25 percent of the time, turns out to be profoundly wrong, like Russiagate wrong like all of these other things like vaccines are a hundred percent safe especially for children and uh, some of the things that i have heard uh literal grown of people i thought knew how to do research and think and critically think and do use references and when you explain something to them their eyes would light up and they'd say oh i see uh, nobody wants to see anymore nobody wants to understand if it isn't the narrative that yeah so as far as that all goes uh yeah that is a form of madness is definitely denying uh and I'm not even some of the talking points uh, against vaccines and some of the talking points. Well, all I know is if there's anybody still anywhere out there who is like worshiping at the altar of Anthony Fauci, uh, I personally would call that madness because that man has malinformed us, gamed us manipulated us and uh, there will and should be some sort of comeuppance for this oh man this is becoming such a a, a revolutionary overnight scape central which is never the intention uh, those of you who are here every week uh, at least I think I do my best in these troubled times to keep these issues 
out of here for a few reasons. One, uh, they're just tinderboxes ready to boom into flames, and I'm as bad as the next one. Uh, and just because I feel I have done my re, I am not imposing how I feel on anyone. And that is where I am drawing the line as far as what goes on governmentally. I am all for the government making doing this, making these things available, um, informing us that they're available, uh, possibly even urging us so long as uh, they're giving us the proper uh, information about what they're asking us or suggesting that we put into our bodies. And uh, I don't know. This this here, this is my body. I very rarely go to doctors for anything. Uh, I think I would have to be literally at death's door anymore to go to, like, over here to the doctor or present myself at the emergency room i'll i'll be fine i'll i'll figure it out uh in 99 out of 100 cases and for years and now you're going to try to make it that i am required to get some shot that is have you seen some of those videos where it's just clips of people tipping over um i don't coincidence that that you know you can't how many athletes have dropped uh, i mean we, there was just a tennis tournament like one of those big open things and two of the tennis players i mean nobody died but two young athletes who at one point were the world's elite and had the stamina to do their jobs, uh, their avocation, play tennis, didn't make it through that tournament. These are troubling signs. Soccer players just falling like somebody cut marionette strings um, and denying all this or pretending it isn't there. Just how people can, like, I understand there it, it's a cognitive they they are in a position where they have been told different repeatedly by a trusted source so it's not like they woke up one morning and they're going to be contrary to them I look like I'm the one who woke up this morning looking to ruin their day which is how the whole thing works and we're divided and whatever's going to happen out there while we're divided goes on because we're busy calling each other Nazis is that how it works Dave? by the way another word that really ought to have scare quotes around it is vaccine because they had to change the definition of the word vaccine in order for these um, mRNA gene therapies uh, to qualify, to be called vaccines. They're really not vaccines in the traditional sense. Now, the other podcast episode that Rogan had removed featured Dr. Peter McCullough, who has also, like Malone, been highly critical of the uh, so-called vaccines, and a 
proponent of early treatment using such zinc ionophores as hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Now, a zinc ionophore allows zinc to be absorbed into the cell, where it inhibits viral replication. So it's the zinc that actually fights the disease, not the HCQ or the ivermectin. So if you're not taking zinc along with your zinc ionophore, it's not going to do much. And the studies that they did on, on hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin didn't include uh, zinc supplementation, which is arguably madness, unless it's intentional, in which case it's pure evil. So since zinc ionophores without any zinc to work with were ineffective, now people have a hard time getting a prescription for uh, HCQ or ivermectin, or uh, they have a hard time getting it filled once they uh, have one, if they can even get one. Fortunately, there are over-the-counter zinc ionophores such as quercetin which is what I take as a preventative, along with the zinc, of course, and vitamin C and vitamin D. Now, it would be madness for you to copy me, since I have no medical degree, <laughs> and I'm not giving you advice on this. But in case you did do that, you'd need to be careful how much zinc you take, because too much for too long could be harmful. Now, the government wants to censor these ideas because they're plausible alternatives to the uh, government narrative. And in the United States, the government can't censor them directly, not legally anyway, because of the First Amendment, but they can uh, pressure tech companies to do it for them, social media companies, whatever, and that's what they do, you know. They're, they've discovered kind of a loophole in the Constitution. But what they're doing, you know, is madness. <laughs> because they're destroying their own credibility. Back in the days of the Soviet Union, there were two main newspapers, Pravda and Izvestia. Pravda means truth, and uh, Izvestia means news. But, you know... They damaged their brands so much by, by peddling, you know, Soviet propaganda that after a while, people started saying, uh, people in Russia, I mean, in the Soviet Union, they, uh, they started saying, there is no truth in Pravda and there is no news in Izvestia. Now, today, here, we might say, there's no truth on Twitter and there are no facts on Facebook. And since the reason for that, presumably, is that the government's putting pressure on them, although I think, you know, they're perfectly willing to do it. Um, some, some companies do it willingly and others do it under pressure. But the government is losing what little credibility that they still had. Um, next time the government tries to impose mandates or lockdowns, whatever. I think people are going to be a lot less compliant 
than they were this last time. And um, being non-compliant is, uh, is called nullification. And I like that strategy, even better than secession. Um, Thomas Jefferson was a big fan of it. And I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Jefferson, although I, I must admit he did exceed his authority with that Louisiana Purchase thing. Yeah, but I get it. I can't resist a bargain either. One other kind of widespread madness today is uh, gender madness. Now, gender is a concept from language, not from biology. For instance, in the French language, every noun is either male or female. If it's a male noun, its pronoun is the uh, male pronoun, il. If it's a female noun, its pronoun is uh, the female pronoun, l. And there are also male and female articles, uh, la and la, two ways to say the or the, uh, depending on uh, whether, whether the noun is male or female. But, you know, other languages have more than two genders. Sometimes there's a, a neutral gender, um, and it, it uses different pronouns. And theoretically, you could have as many genders as you cared to define, you know, depending on how you structured your language. You know, if it was an invented language, you could you could make up all the genders you wanted to. It's totally arbitrary, uh, merely by convention, and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with reality. You know, sex is biological, but gender is merely grammatical. We stopped talking about sex. Well, um, <laughs> we didn't stop talking about sex, but we stopped talking about sex as a, the sex of people. Well, that doesn't work either. Do you know what I mean? Sex is biological, but gender is merely grammatical. So uh, as a result, you can have people like uh, Rachel Levine, who is a biological male, but a grammatical female because she identifies as a female. <laughs> and not only that, but she identifies as an admiral. I don't think she's an admiral in the Navy, but she's some sort of admiral in, 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 in some other government institution, which I didn't know had admirals. But, you know, I saw a clip of her doing an interview in her uh, dress uniform, uh, her dress whites, which is not to say her white dress, um, and she had on her admiral's cap with all the, you know, you know, and she had all the braid and stuff, and it, it reminded me of a Paul McCartney song. Admiral Rachel notified me she had to sit down because she had to take a pee. But she could stand a pee if she only had a fly, and she let her fly. Standing, making water, shake it till it's dry. Standing, making water, shake it till it's dry. 
yeah, it kind of gives a whole new meaning to uh, letting your freak flag fly. <laughs> well, I guess that's about enough madness for today. I need to get back on on uh, working on my sermons. Yeah, I'm, I'm working my way through Genesis, trying to come up with non-supernatural ways that the Bible could be literally true, because I don't believe in the supernatural. I believe there are natural things that seem to be supernatural to us um, because of uh, the uh, Arthur C. Clarke point that uh, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Um, but once you learn more about the universe, learn more about uh, about physics and technology and so on, you uh, you realize that it's natural. It's not supernatural. Nature is everything that, it, that there is. There is no such thing as the supernatural. But, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to come up with natural ways the Bible could be literally true. And, and, and you may think that's madness, but, you know, if you think spirits in the sky are more plausible than aliens from outer space, <laughs> you just might be a madman. And uh, speaking of madman, back to you, PQ. Yeah, I hear there's a lot of that going around, Dave, let me tell you. However, if we uh, look at this as a historical thing, if it isn't one thing, it's another. So it's another, and then it'll be another... And, uh, yeah, the gender stuff, I can't even, I, you know, I, I just, I come from a different time. Call me Boomer, uh, call me Ishmael. I, the whole thing, uh, I can't imagine spending that much time on some of these identities. To think that much about it implies a vast amount of indolence and excess leisure time that probably could be put to actually performing these things, whether they are traditional or some sort of uh, new innovation, as if there is such a thing or has been in I don't know how many thousands of years with uh, human interactions like that. I mean, there is, I mean, except for the fact that they can give you some hormones and you can pretend you're something that you might not be, and some really crude and ineffective surgeries, which I... Yeah, that it, it it doesn't do the trick. I mean, you really you can't make a man a woman, and you can't make a woman a man. Yet, through surgery and chem, you're still at the end of the day. Uh, if you pulled the average human being in, uh, I don't think they would be exactly in concord with uh, that somebody has changed oh boy this is getting complicated is, is this the overnight scape central or is this like regular stuff anyhow uh yeah dave uh that was uh a uh pointed and we're usually not pointed maybe that's it and and uh 
Yeah, I don't need to belabor any of this. Uh, I, I think this was good. And certainly the idea of having many hosts here um, reflects many viewpoints and the world that I came up in respected and invited that. Uh, those I disagree with uh, can have their say. Those I agree... I, that, that's not what this is about. This is about allowing expression and hearing how other people see things because you can't see everything. And it's always good to know what people are thinking. Right? Right. Right? Right. And speaking about thinking people, uh, we, we have a friend over here who gathers the wool uh, at least weekly, and he's been a regular now on the Overnight Scape Central, pretty steady, and uh, we're collaborating on some music things. He sent a couple of things that I have yet to uh, concoct something around, but I have the, 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 so many ongoing projects here at the Nicho Legatura Institute and Studios, but uh, they move forward, and... Uh, the results are often startling and uh, fascinating, if not entertaining, because, uh, yes, we are uh, attempting to isolate and produce pure entertainium. We will see if our labs can actually do this. But in the meantime, uh, as I suggested just seconds ago, it is time to hand this topic over, uh, this madness, to uh, uh, Eddie from The Wool Gathering. Madness, I'm going to, uh, I know there's the band Madness, but, uh, oh, wait, uh, hello, 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 hello there. Sorry about that. Yeah, Madness, I know there's the band Madness, all right, but I hear some lyrics with uh, Madness in it from David Gray. It's called uh, Silver Lining, song by David Gray. Uh, you can search for it, I'm sure. It says, uh, take this silver lining, keep it in your room sweet head and shine it when the night is burning red shining in the twilight shine it on the cold cold ground shine it till these walls come tumbling down we were born with our eyes wide open so alive with wild hope now can you tell me why Time after time, they drag you down, down in the darkness deep. Fools in the madness all around, know that the light don't sleep. Fools and their madness all around. Forgive the singing, I know. Anyway, there you go. Grin and bear it. As cringy as it might be. Um, yeah, so fools, that's what I thought of when I went to the madness. I thought of that straight away. And then it was in my mind for a bit. Then I thought, well, why not start there? And now I'm stuck for the rest of it. But uh, yeah, madness. Well, it's a very big, sparse topic. So you have madness, which was 
a long time ago we really believed there was actual madness and I don't know maybe people were people did go kind of insane and mad so insane is another word insane is a bit even more than mad like madness is kind of a light insane insane is just like you've lost it completely um, there's all sorts of things that could go wrong so I suppose it could start with it starts with just like small things where you're sort of uh, have uh, maybe little quirks and then they could be sort of more than little quirks and then I mean you could have little ticks you could have uh, slight things wrong with you um, and then you could get a heavier version I mean, if you're just going around, you could say the odd thing to yourself out loud. Then if you're going around continually sort of talking to yourself or talking to entities that are not really there or they're in your head, or then you can have hallucinations or audio, audio versions of that. And uh, I'm, sure there's a, I'm sure there's a word for that. Um, so, yeah, and then you have um, just um, sort of a... This what's all to do with the mind, isn't it? The mind is a crazy thing anyway. Uh, even even if it's normal, it's pretty crazy because of the things it does and uh, the things that were sort of programmed, that are sort of programmed in. And, and uh, yeah, madness. It's all, it is kind of all mad anyway. But then to be troubled, to be troubled by the madness of it all then, um, can drive you to madness. So another thing that's kind of mad is that I'm in the exact same place as I recorded this a second ago as you were listening, except the whole day has passed. It could be even more than a day. And I'm back here in the same place, just kind of continuing what I was saying. Now I've kind of forgotten what I was saying. It's a little bit blustery there. Uh, but I think what I was saying was like the levels of it. I think it starts like with personal problems, then sort of, you know, difficulties, then personal problems. Then you call it maybe a difficulty, and then you call it maybe a personal problem. Then maybe you call it like neuroticism, uh, neurosis, and then maybe you call it uh, something a little bit more um, diagnostic. And then, uh, you know, depending how severe it is, until it got to this uh, absolute sort of a, a madness. Um, but the whole world is, yeah, everything, as I was saying as well, I think that everything is kind of mad anyway. You know, existence, it's all kind of mad. Unless you do, like, then categorizing things and doing pattern recognition on stuff, which is a sort of a scientific way to say, well, that's what that is mostly. That's, I mean, it's all kind of approximate, but mostly it's always that. And then looking at the patterns around it and then saying, well, it looks like it does this all the time. Um, but it's still kind of mad. It's still kind of nuts. But, uh, you know, but doing that gives us a little bit of a grasp on, on what is reality then. Uh, if we can define things that are the most constant and stable. But then when you get down to the real nitty-gritty of reality then we see that it's like so it's like popping in and out of existence and all sorts of things the probabilities and all that stuff but anyway and i said it before and i'll say it again quantum eraser experiment go watch that one go watch that one go watch it on youtube quantum eraser experiment 
it's the one after the double slit experiment you got to know a little bit about the double slit but then you have to watch the quantum eraser experiment and understand it watch it you have to watch it like three times at least because uh, it's difficult to grasp but anyway um you gotta go watch it you gotta go watch it that's mad as well um so madness i don't know i was thinking of playing um a couple of clips um one of them kind of talks a little bit about um madness like that not really a madness but a diagnosis which which be a disorder there's a disorder as well so a deficit disorder but they were thinking about changing that to maybe like i don't know some sort of regulation rather than deficit um but anyway there's there's a clip about that and then there's a clip about this this guy from uh russia and uh he's talking about the propaganda in the u.s and i think that's kind of mad and interesting um slightly off topic some of this maybe but i think it's a nice place to put it in here it might break things up a bit and i have them contaminated and um you know I, I think it might be just a good idea just to stick them all on together contaminated onto this and so yeah the first one is that and then there's one in between if you remember the zeitgeist documentary i think i think a lot of the factually it's kind of been debunked but at, at, at the idea behind it i think was still you know valid about you know history being some sort of uh zodiological or zodiac sort of a thing about the stars uh, the stories are really just telling us um you know things about the stars and stuff like this but religion and all that kind of stuff so that was the idea behind zeitgeist and you'll hear that in a moment and uh, they're all together. They're only quite short clips, only about two or three minutes each, but one after another. And then the other clip is just about us all being one person. So I am you, you are me, and everybody else in the world is me, or you, or you are me. And we are one, uh, literally, uh, like literally. Uh, like that's mad as well. But that what we're doing actually is just becoming a god. And that's why we're doing what we're doing, coming in and out of different timelines, reincarnating as this, that, and the other. And all at the same time, and in and out of time, and in a long time, and all that kind of stuff. So, it's that kind of concept as well, which is kind of, kind of mad as well. And then, and then uh, yeah, so just, just a couple of those things together, and I'm going to play them one after another here. And that's, that's my little thing about madness then how's that and then uh, i'll be back then after that i guess and uh and i will hand it over okay so just um i'll be gone for a few minutes but just have a listen to these short clips is this reptile my favorite economic forum speaker of all time is this reptile Klaus Schwab's top advisor, Dr. Yuval Noah Harari. Let's see what he has to say. Data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Elites hacking organisms and re-engineering life itself? Well, 
He's not talking about doing that to people, is he? Now, in the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough, and nobody had enough computing power and data to hack millions of people. Neither the Gestapo nor the KGB could do it. But soon, at least some corporations and governments will be able to systematically hack all the people. Well, I guess he was talking about doing that to people. All people, to be specific. And if indeed we succeed in hacking and engineering life, this will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity. This will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. For four billion years, nothing fundamental changed. Not playing God, are you? Because that usually works out super well. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some God above the clouds. Oh, you are playing God. Say more. But our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds, the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. Gosh, you wouldn't by chance have a plan in place on how to control people with your cloud technology, would you? And that plan isn't by chance already being implemented, is it? Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Oh, so you could implement it. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste. People could look back in a hundred years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election, or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. My favorite economic... ...to maintain any sort of long-term... These men and women in their 30s, 40s, and 50s have never been able to maintain any sort of long-term job or profession. They cannot easily enter meaningful, committed relationships, let alone stay in one. Some have never been able to read a book from cover to cover. Some cannot even sit through a movie. Their moods fly back and forth from lethargy and dejection to agitation. The creative talents they have been blessed with have not been pursued. They are intensely frustrated at what they perceive as their failures. Their self-esteem is lost in some deep well. Most often they are firm in their conviction that their problems are the result of a basic, incorrigible flaw in their personalities. These men and women in their third Ideological subversion is, is the slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, in the language of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending 
themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process, which goes very slow, and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials, economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking with every second. The disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to. Addis of Phrygia, born of the Virgin Nana on December 25th, crucified, placed in a tomb, and after three days, was resurrected. Krishna of India, born of the Virgin Devaki, with a star in the east, signaling his coming. He performed miracles with his disciples, and, upon his death, was resurrected. Dionysus of Greece, born of a virgin on December 25th, was a traveling teacher who performed miracles, such as turning water into wine. He was referred to as the King of Kings, God's only begotten Son, the Alpha and Omega, and many others. And, upon his death, he was resurrected. Mithra of Persia, born of a virgin on December 25th. He had 12 disciples and performed miracles, and upon his death was buried for three days and thus resurrected. He was also referred to as the Truth, the Light, and many others. Interestingly, the sacred day of worship of Mithra was Sunday. The fact of the matter is, there are numerous saviors from different periods from all over the world which subscribe to these general characteristics. The question remains, why these attributes? Why the virgin birth on December 25th? Why dead for three days in the inevitable resurrection? Why 12 disciples or followers? To find out, let's examine the most recent of the solar messiahs. 
Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary on December 25th in Bethlehem. His birth was announced by a star in the east, which three kings or magi followed to locate and adorn a new savior. He was a child teacher at 12. At the age of 30, he was baptized by John the Baptist, and thus began his ministry. Jesus had 12 disciples, which he traveled about with, performing miracles, such as healing the sick, walking on water, raising the dead. He was also known as the King of Kings, the Son of God, the Light of the World, the Alpha and Omega, the Lamb of God, and many, many others. After being betrayed by his disciple Judas and sold for 30 pieces of silver, he was crucified, placed in a tomb, and after three days, was resurrected and ascended into heaven. First of all, the birth sequence is completely astrological. The star in the east is Sirius, the brightest star in the night sky, which, on December 24th, aligns with the three brightest stars in Orion's belt. These three bright stars in Orion's belt are called today what they were called in ancient times, the Three Kings. And the Three Kings and the brightest star, Sirius, all point to the place of the sunrise on December 25th. This is why the Three Kings follow the star in the east, in order to locate the sunrise, the birth of the sun. Virgin Mary is the constellation Virgo, also known as Virgo the Virgin. Virgo in Latin means virgin. Virgo is also referred to as the house of bread, and the representation of Virgo is a virgin holding a sheaf of wheat. This house of bread and its symbol of wheat represents August and September, the time of harvest. In turn, Bethlehem, in fact, literally translates to house of bread. Bethlehem is thus a reference to the constellation Virgo, a place in the sky, not on earth. There's another very interesting phenomenon that occurs around December 25th, or the winter solstice. From the summer solstice to the winter solstice, the days become shorter and colder and further. Addis. Reincarnated. How many times have I been reincarnated then? Oh, lots. Lots and lots. And into lots of different lives. This time around, You'll be a Chinese peasant girl in 540 AD. Wait, what? You're sending me back in time? Well, I guess technically. Time as you know it only exists in your universe. Things are different where I come from. Where, where you come from? Oh, sure. I come from somewhere, somewhere else. And there are others like me. I know you'll want to know what it's like there, but honestly, you wouldn't understand. Oh, you said, a little let down. But wait, if I get reincarnated to other places in time, I could have interacted with myself at some point. Sure, happens all the time. And with both lives only aware of their own lifespan, you don't even know it's happening. So... What's the point of it all? I looked you in the eye. The meaning of life, the reason I made this whole universe, is for you to mature. You mean mankind? You want us to mature? No, just you. I made this whole universe for you. With each new life, you grow and mature and become a larger and greater intellect. Just me? What about everyone else? There is no one else. In this universe, there's just you and me. You stared blankly at me. But all the people on Earth, all you, different incarnations of you. Wait, I'm everyone. Now you're getting it. I'm every human being who ever lived. Or who will ever live, yes. I'm Abraham Lincoln. 
and your John Wilkes Booth too. I'm Hitler, you said, appalled. And you're the millions he killed. I'm Jesus. And you're everyone who followed him. You fell silent. Every time you victimized someone, you were victimizing yourself. Every act of kindness you've done, you've done to yourself. Every happy and sad moment ever experienced by any human was or will be experienced by you. You thought for a long time. Why? Why do all this? Because someday you will become like me. Because that's what you are. You're one of my kind. You're my child. Wow, you said incredulous. You mean... I'm a god. No, not yet. You're a fetus. You're still growing. Once you've lived every human life throughout all time, you will have grown enough to be born. So the whole universe, it's just an egg, I answered. Now it's time for you to move on to your next life. And so that is all part of madness because it's all mad. I forgot to tell you that there was going to be a bit in there as well about the um, hacking of the human type thing. Um, yeah, it's all there. And if you want to search more about the World Economic Forum, they have a whole bunch of stuff. Just punch that in. They don't keep it a secret what they want to do to the world. They tell you all about what's going to happen. <laughs> so if you want to follow it step by step, it's there, and it was there before the COVID-19 pandemic, step-by-step, lockstep. If you want to see it, uh, it's it was there, it was planned, everything's all planned, as I've been saying for a long time. But anyway, um, so I uh, just have some uh, accredi- accreditations, 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 I don't know what I'm going to, how do you, how do you, how do you say? But I think it's all fair use is what I'm saying. So if it's all fair use, then... Um, and, and just some of it... I mean, they're lifting material from places, and I'm grabbing their material from TikTok, and and then there's these things. Anyway, so I think what the guy was talking about is uh, maybe the Ga- Gabor Mate was, was the thing he was reading from Gabor Mate, MD, Scattered Minds. That's where he uh, was reading that quote from and he was called my so-called mind at my so-called mind on uh, tiktok so he is uh, accredited there and um the guy that you were listening to about the 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 what is it called the pod pandemic not the pandemic the poddemic anyway it was yuri bezmanov and he is the guy that was talking about um, stuff happening in the United States. The Russian guy who was talking. Yuri Bezmanov. Uh, if you want to look more uh, into about that. And um, what else was I playing there? Yeah, the, the stuff from Zeitgeist. So that's from the movie Zeitgeist. If you want to go watch that. A lot of those facts are sort of debunked, and then I think they did a, I think they did a re, I think they tried to do it again or something, but they, it never, it never kind of uh, took off or whatever. Um, 
so I think that's that's pretty much it. Oh, and the egg story, which is which was the god thing at the end. Um, uh, he probably lifted that from somewhere else, but the guy who uh, did that on on, on a, that was on a TikTok as well. It's Kurz Kurz Gazagad, K U R Z G E S A G T underscore moments Kurgazagad moments. And that's uh, it was lifted sort of from TikTok as well, and then so there's a whole bunch of other stuff here. I think I've got it all in. There's a horse. Okay. Um, yeah. Hope that's all good with uh, sharing it and all that. If not, I mean, you can just come in and delete it later or whatever. Take it down. That's fine. Uh, but hopefully, that is all okay and it's all mad and it's all madness. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I need to put on a shoe. Back to you, PQ. A selection of madnesses. And uh, I don't know. Uh, perhaps a little truth mixed in there. And uh, the inexplicable colliding. Because I don't know. that there, there, there are chinks in what we call logic, apparently. Because uh, there are too many things that are true that defy logic, much less that we are completely, no operation of our brain can really be, I mean, we, there are a few people who can make their brain at times function within a parameter of what we call logic, but we are not logical creatures. We do not respond logically. We do not behave logically. And yet, uh, we insist time after time in attempts at imposing logical systems on emotional creatures. Is there such a thing as a workable emotional system? I mean, I think just a few weeks of research into that after the failure of all our logical systems, uh, might be beneficial. I mean, that, we, we might be barking down the entirely wrong um, path. Uh, logic may actually be uh, akin to some sort of toxin to the human mind and being. Uh, you never know. And, oh boy, some of the stuff in the... Ooh, yeah, that we're programmable. I'm pretty sure that the human brain, as complicated as it may seem and inexplicable and all of those things, it's not much when you uh, start uh, giving it tasks like understanding existence and uh, the parameters of reality and all these other things. And uh, we're easily distracted and led places. And yeah, that's all of us. I mean, there isn't a one of us that uh, is not potentially gullible, malleable, leadable under the right circumstances, the right, uh, the, the right carrot on a string in front of us. Uh, the human can do... Or imagine they're doing or be compelled to do almost anything one could imagine. But you knew that already. You didn't need me 
here to tell you that. No, you did not. Anyways, we are down to, I am pretty sure, Frank Edward Nora. Which It looks like this will be done on Monday. We're doing Monday again on the Overnightscape Central. I haven't done a Quake Reversal satellite in probably close to a month. But uh, these things are coming. And uh, the Central right now is central to my grand plan of podcast dominance of the future. Because uh, while many podcasts are made every day and posted and placed, um, how many of them are there a year later, two years later, five years later? And the onsug, at least up to now, is like a rock. It, 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 but we are here, and we are doing material that while it has a timely reflection I really try to aim it more at a timelessness, a la our hero Gene Shepard. Anyhow, uh, speaking of our hero Gene Shepard and, and great talkers, um, I'm talking too much right now. I think it's time for Frank Edward Nora. There's that great quote by Murph Campbell. Remember that? It, it goes something like, We had this party in Kerhonkson. It's called Mountain Madness. And we never knew how bad it will be would be till seeing all this. Yeah, yeah, it was on a long back road, and they invited too many people, so 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 it never happened. But 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 they shut us down because of that. What a quote! Mountain madness, one one of the many kinds of madness out there. Yes. Uh, Murph Campbell, he was he was one of the participants there at Woodstock '89. Up in Bethel, uh, yeah, in August of 89, the impromptu uh, Woodstock reunion. And I went up there with Mad Mike, and we taped interviews with people and got their names and pictures of them and everything. So Murph Campbell was talking about, I, I'm, I'm assuming that's short for Murphy Campbell. He's from Cahonkson, which is a town in upstate New York. And uh, I've tried over the years to research this mountain madness uh, party they were, they were going to have in the woods on this long back road <laughs> that got shut down because there were too many people. Um, but I always love that quote. Uh, Ker Honkson. I'd love to find that back road. But yeah, so this is a kind con- con- use of the term madness, which is, um, you know, kind of like midnight madness, right? There's a movie called Midnight Madness about some sort of, uh, sort of an 80s teen movie about some kind of a scavenger hunt, right? Also, in this context, a pinball machine called Junkyard from uh, Williams, I believe, back in the, the later 90s. Yeah, it, maybe 95, 96, that, that time period. It just takes place in a junkyard, but there's mid the midnight madness mode, where the pinball machine has an internal clock, and at midnight, according to its internal clock, it activates midnight madness mode if you're playing. So all of a sudden, midnight madness at midnight... And, uh, you know, even on the emulator I used to play it on, or the, no, the pinball arcade, they had Midnight. And if you played on an emulator, I'm sure it would have it. I haven't tried it on the, on the newer uh, Pinball FX uh, thing. But midnight Madness, right? Uh, so, what, so what is this? So basically, what is, what is Madness? Madness has a lot of different connotations in our society. Of course, uh, pretty much the 
central definition is is a kind of severe mental illness. You know, what does that even mean, though? You know, um, it's maybe kind of hard to define, right? Um, we as human beings need to use our mind to operate in the world, right? And there's a sort of a an agreed upon a uh, what's what's the right word? Co what's that word they say? Uh, cohe- not cohesive, but um, uh, consensual, right? Like a way that we um, approach the world, which is considered sane, which is considered uh, reasonable. That is, what what do we do? Well, we wake up in the morning and and we are perceiving things. Like we have to, we're using our senses to perceive things, understand situations, uh, br- bring in information through the senses, and then react to it in in, in a way. Uh, what's considered sane is the way that you react to it is to um, follow a specified course. Again, this is very hard. Like when you really start getting into it, it's very hard to define. But as we know, just getting along in, in the real world, right, what does it involve? It involves, uh, you know, each one of us is an individual human being, a biological organism that requires quite a bit of maintenance to keep it going, right? So you need to... Uh, you know, you know the whole food, clothing, and shelter thing, right? You need to drink water and liquids. You, you know, uh, nutrition. You need to eat food. Okay. You need to uh, excrete. You know, you, you have to go to the bathroom. You should try to clean yourself once in a while. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, you know, you need you need a shelter from from the elements, and you need a place, especially to sleep, right? Because we each need to spend a Ideally a third, but I know some people spend more like a quarter of their life sleeping. Um, you need a safe place to sleep, right? Um, and then beyond that, you will sort of, you need how do you get these things? Well, in our society, you have to pay to live, so you need to get a job or have some other means of getting money to pay for the things you need to live, right? And so, you know, considering the uh, again, the nature of human beings, we have to deal with other human beings on a daily basis to, um, you know, gain the what we need to survive. And then there's the additional things. There's entertainment. There's, you know, love, uh, companionship, socializing, all these other things, which are certainly necessary, but somewhat sec- secondary. You could actually live, you could be alive without having some of these other things, but it wouldn't be a very fun existence. So... Um, the main thing is each of us is, is sort of s- disconnected from other people. We're not we're, we're not like a hive mind. There are theories that there might ultimately be one, but in general, right, um, we need to sort of approach other people in a way that we could interact with a person in a way that would seem very neutral or in a way that's positive or in a way that the other person will take as negative, right? Um and th- those types of interactions are always going to inevitably happen, uh, but sanity, so to speak, is is considered um, being able to operate under societal rules, right? Uh, in a way that, again, it's I, it's this defining madness is really hard, you know. But. 
certainly there's like many things it's 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 on a scale there's many degrees i don't think anyone is completely sane okay let's just let's just get that out of the way i i've asked this question in the past can, can is there a person that we could find that is completely sane 100 percent sane it has no no issues whatsoever you know um you know and i, I would say so i think everyone has is a little off okay so but the first level is just sort of personality you know oh they have kind of a difficult personality weird personality right then you get into some personality disorders right sort of like narcissistic personality disorder which i have known people who have that and it's it's not fun being around them it's impossible kind of to be around people with that that condition so that's a personality that has gone from being a bit strange to being disordered disordered under our definitions and there's other ones like borderline and all these other things i'm not as as well uh Understood. These people generally are completely able to kind of interpret the world around them in a sane way, but, um, but there's there, there's sort of a layer of interpretation that that's being messed up, and this is what happens. Um, there's uh, just layers of interpretation that aren't happening, and then also I think there's other uh, forms of you know, and I guess the blanket term is mental illness. Um, in fact, our town has added you know, they're a stigma-free town. And when you come into the town, there's these signs. They don't really quite explain it, uh, but apparently the the goal of this is to take away the stigma of mental illness because people really, though it is so common, so many different types, it's it's something that people are still very um, embarrassed about and very uncomfortable about. So they're trying to remove the stigma uh, by having these signs. I don't know signs signs general. I don't know if signs are really that helpful, but. Um, and this, of course, is uh, is is made a bit more complex by the idea of uh, you know something Eddie has been talking about on his show, the Wool Gathering, recently. Um, types of interpreting the world around you that are not necessarily an illness, but it's just an alternate way. So, for example, in general, the spectrum of of what we call autism, right? Um, is a, is a different way of interpreting the world around you as opposed to what he's term he's using neurotypical which is sort of uh what i'm talking about is sort of the agreed upon best method of interpreting the world around you interacting with people around you and the world around you but that um there's other types of processing that are not deficient in terms of their information interpretation and processing capacities but it just um it makes people uh let's say what's the right way of putting it seems strange to other to people who are neurotypical right uh so one of the aspects of um the autism spectrum, for example, is that um, there's specific types of information processing. And I think that uh, we, on a daily basis, we're using it must be hundreds or thousands of different kinds of information processing or information uh, systems, right? So what I talked about just on last episode about seeing, right, when, you're, when, I'm, when I'm looking at straight ahead and seeing what's in front of me, there's a bunch of 
shades, colors, and shades of light, and it's somehow it's interpreted in my mind, processed, and creates a meaning. So, for example, I think a real easy way of looking at it is if someone's speaking in English, the the only language I really know well, I know a little bit of a few other languages, but not enough to be fluent. Um, Right? If I hear someone speaking English, I I get the meanings. uh, I, I get a stream of meaning in my mind. I know what people are talking about. However, if I'm hearing another language being spoken, right, one that I have no idea about, like, you know, a language I listen to quite a bit is, you know, Korean these days, uh, watching subtitled Korean content. And I I recognize a few words like uh, like hello and stuff, but generally speaking, I don't understand it, so I need subtitles to understand it. So anyway, if you're just listening to a language that you don't understand at all, you hear someone talking, but you're not getting any meaning. Why is that? It's because you're not keyed into that language, right? So I think there's a lot of um, other aspects of communication. Like, for example, I think one really fascinating uh, phenomenon is known as face blindness, right? Now, most people have the ability to recognize people by their face, right? Um, when you really think about it, they're tiny, tiny variations. Everyone's face is basic, basically the same, right? Two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. And then you could say um, the the ratio of the distance between the facial elements, right, um, differ slightly from person to person, right? But are the system that we're using is able to make those measurements. And again, just like a word, a spoken word, a vibration of the air as sound can become meaning, the uh, mathematical relationship uh, uh, between elements of someone's face can be interpreted to become a meaning. Oh, there's that person's face. Like you, you have it's, it's the same way a word becomes a meaning, a face becomes a meaning. You see what I'm saying? And there are people out there who are simply lacking that one thing. Like they, they can't recognize people by their face, right? Now, in some, on the spectrum of autism, there, there are, there's, there's a level where um, interpretation of spoken language is not, is blocked off. That is. Whatever we have in our in our head to um, interpret these uh, essentially, you know, just sounds, vibrations of the air, you know, right? Some people don't have that algorithm in their mind, right? So they they don't they're not getting any meaning out of it. It's like someone's talking a different language. You see what I'm saying? Another aspect of this is what they call theory of mind, which is, uh, right, that when you're dealing with another person, you have to sort of imagine what they're thinking, what their interior world is to help communicate with them, right? The th- right? And I think that's something where uh, looking at someone and reading all the cues from their body language, tone of voice, facial expressions... Uh, so many other things we can sort of gauge where they how they're feeling and how they're interpreting something right that's another stream of meaning that may or may not be interpreted now so this level of things and as Eddie was talking about you could say that uh, this this terms of information stream processing and and lacking certain things and of course there's you know um, 
the sort of unfortunately named idiot savant uh, category where someone may have great difficulties with some ca- cases, but other information streams such as the very famous cases that you would have seen on 2020 or 60 Minutes or whatever, someone who really can't uh, communicate verbally but uh, can interpret music perfectly, like hearing a song once can play it on the piano, which most people certainly couldn't do, right? So I think that that's a broad category of things where um, it's just particular streams of meaning are 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 are, di- are not like particular algorithms are not installed or whatever for every reason, right? Um, but then, of course, you get to uh, a bigger issue, which I think is that. Um, Right, not just not interpreting the world or not interpreting aspects of the world, but then we get to some misinterpretations. Right, um, this I think is where we we are really when we think of madness in terms of a, a mental condition where it's impairing, it's a severe impediment, uh, right, to someone being able to function in the world is 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 a mis- misinterpreting because this all has to do with, in my opinion how we operate here, which is, right, in terms of just what we, what we can observe, each of us, right, we're, we're operating in a physical universe with other people. In order to do, to do that, we have created inside our minds a copy of the universe where we can run simulations, right? So right now, wherever you're sitting or standing or walking or driving, or whatever, listening to what I'm saying, right? You're, right now, your access to the real world is extremely limited at, at any given moment. 99.9% of the world is not visible to you. Is You're not hearing it. You're not seeing it. You don't have access to it. But you have an internal model of the world that allows you to continue to operate, right? That is, um, I'm, I'm on my porch right now. I'm not inside my house but I have a mental model of the inside of my house and have a general sense of what's going on in there, which, right, what is that? It's essentially, uh, it seems to be disconnected from the real world. It's an internal model, right? It's an essential tool to how we operate, right? And again, so every time we have a, a touch point of contact with the real world, we see something, we hear something, right? We're updating our internal model, right? But I, I believe that because of that, we spend most of our time actually inside the internal model of the world, which is very much supposed to be a copy of the world outside of us, but um, in terms of our life narratives, and this is, I think, the story, I think we're getting into the very... Uh, deep philosophical territory here, but I think the way we operate is that we have this internal model that helps us navigate the real world, and then we're also telling ourselves a, a story about our life. We understand our life as a story, right? So the storytelling aspect is supposed to um, take complex situations and turn them into kind of a story, like like I'm this guy that lives in New Jersey and I do a show and I work in New York City and yada, like like that's sort of the story I'm telling myself of my life, right? But I think that because 
the story and the internal model of the world that each of us has is essentially disconnected from the real world, we tend to, uh, and I think it is considered sane and neurotypical to alter it to some degree to your liking. That is, you're not seeing the world as it really is, but you're, there's a bit of wiggle room where you can completely stay. And in fact, I think what I'm trying to say is to, for lack of a better term, look at the world through rose-colored glasses, to take all that information, the story you're telling yourself about your life and your internal model, you alter it slightly to your liking, right? And I think that uh, that is, this is where it gets complicated, but the theory is that that is where the sweet spot is of the most sane, the most neurotypical, whatever you want to say, is already a bit deviating from a a one-to-one match, right? I think uh, my friend Brian Cassidy told me once about a a, um, research done into this where um, people would... It was something like you would press a button and after X number of tries, a light bulb would go on, you know? And by interacting with this test... Afterwards, in another room, they would ask them, well, how many times did you have to press that button to get the light to to go on? And if the answer really was like seven, right, they found that most people would say, oh, like five or six. Like that was considered like people that otherwise would consider themselves, you know, again, well-adjusted, content type of people. They were getting it wrong and they were getting it wrong, making it seem like it was easier, you see, because in their internal model that they built of that test, they made it a few percent points better. But what Brian said, and I, I don't know if I've been able to find this this thing. This was a long time ago. He told me this, but he's like people that were considered like clinically depressed would say much closer to the actual answer, right? So the idea is that, right? Uh, madness is happening in our interior model of the world, right? So I think personality disorders are where, like, so it's unhealthy for your interior world to be a one-to-one match. It's That's not healthy, right? It needs to be altered to make it seem almost like building a nest for yourself, right? It needs to be altered a little bit, right, in order to make you uh, content and uh, and and uh, a good mood, right? But if it if it starts to deviate more than that, I think that's where um, personality disorders, for example, I believe narcissistic personality disorder is where that internal model is is deviating a much to a much greater degree, right? And to the point that it's impacting your interactions with other people. But still, I think with personality disorders, and this is just my my understanding of it, is that um, there's still a, a percent, right? People with personality disorders are able to operate in the real world, but you'll notice things about them um, that, you know, are not typical, right? So I think that... Uh, 
there's a certain when when we keep going down the thought of the interior interior model of the world becoming corrupted and deviating from the real world that is where we get into serious trouble and people not having an ability to interact with the real world successfully um one condition that is fascinating is known as someone that's a psychopath or a sociopath where someone it may be another case of this thing where you're lacking a level of interpretation but this is a condition where someone lacks um, a conscience right um, like sort of caring about other people what does that even mean like when you ha see another person and you feel for them and you feel bad if they are feeling bad, right? People that are, have this uh, this condition c uh, describe it as they have no idea what that even means. They understand the reactions people have, but they don't get it. They don't have a conscience. They don't have that emotional connection with other people, right? They simply lack that stream of interpretation. <clears throat> I think that in some extreme cases of uh, narcissistic personality, personality disorder, someone has a conscience but their interior world has become much more real than the outside world so even though they have a conscience they don't view people in the real world as being particularly real and so they don't mind hurting them you know so then we get to the point where if someone is uh you know more severe mental illnesses like where people are like schizophrenia which I don't understand well, but I understand that people are hearing voices, right? What does that mean? You know, and I think that um, again, it could be viewed as right. We have to, like, right now, imagine one of like your fr a friend of yours, and if you were having a conversation with them about a certain topic, you could imagine what they would say, right? Because you have a model of these people, and the people in the model, you can imagine what they would say in reaction to certain things, right? So one way of interpreting it could be that the interior model is malfunctioning and is corrupted in a way so that we know that there are people in our interior models that we can uh, have speak in order to help us in conversations. For example, how do you approach a delicate topic? You're running it in your internal simulation before you say something, all right? So you could say, being that we've established that there are people inside your mind, in your model, that can um, speak, that um, that aspect of it could be those, they could start speaking without you wanting them to, right? That could be an aspect of the interior model malfunctioning. In sort of a related concept, um, is the tulpas concept of uh, creating people inside your mind which happens when anyone writes fiction right? and I have written fiction in the past and you are using that internal model to create a fictional space you can use that what we call the imagination which is an aspect of this system you can create artificial you can create places and personalities and characters that never existed you can create them in your mind, and you can. The way you write fiction and write dialogue is by so almost like you're you're using your internal setting setup to um, uh, make them create characters and listen to what they say, right? 
Um, people have tried to hack this system uh, to cre- actually create intelligent beings inside their mind that have an independent existence, and it's called tulpas, T-U-L-P-A-S. I don't, I don't like the idea. I don't want to do that personally, but people describe how they create tulpas intentionally. Now, of course, it seems that children have, and we were just talking about this the other day. I was over at my in-law's house, and they were talking about the kids when they had these imaginary friends when they're very young. I guess two, three years old, you have an imaginary friend. Could You could say it is could almost be a tulpa, um, right? So being that we have these capacities, these ca- capacities malfunctioning, I think, is perhaps at the heart of mental illness of that sort, where you're hearing voices and stuff. Now, um, an alternate interpretation of imaginary friends or of hearing voices is that in many spiritual traditions and philosophies, there's uh, a strong um, consistency of information that there are invisible beings that exist in this world. Uh, be called them angels or fairies or demons or what have you, right? Spirits, ghosts that some people can communicate with, right? So that would be another way of looking at it, though I don't know if it's particularly necessary to this discussion, whether those things exist or not. Um, you know, if if people are actually... So I guess the theory would be most people in a normal waking state, if there's a, a spirit right in front of them screaming and talking and jumping up and down, you won't have, you will not see them at all or experience them at all. But that in certain states of mind, right, the information can come through, right? And one way I've looked at that is that our bodies could be um, actually more than three dimensions, right? So, Right. Imagine that we, our bodies extend into the fourth dimension, right? Spatially, not the fourth dimension is time. Forget about that one. I know that's what everyone thinks, but, right? So the spirits, what we think of as spirits, angels, demons, fairies, they're actually existing in a very close, maybe two millimeters away, but a parallel uh, three-dimensional volume, right? Which our bodies also exist in, right? There's an aspect of our bodies that uh, extends into those places, and we have senses in those places, but generally it's not um, our eyes, for example. If we have eyes in that other body, the visual information from those eyes are not uh, brought into regular daily consciousness. So in the way that we're talking about how right, there's various streams of information that are being interpreted, so again, the neurotypical, those streams of information are not being interpreted. Though, right, with various, uh, I'm thinking of filters and keys and algorithms, if someone is able to see into the other world, right, they're, they're seeing things that most other people aren't seeing, even though perhaps those things are real, right? There's, there's many different ways of looking at this. But um, so, so when you get to that point, right, I know the traditional explanation would be, yes, it's all inside someone's mind and their mind is not working properly or the interior model's not working properly. Um, it gets to the point where their interpretation of the world around them deviates from the consensual view, right? Um, and I think that uh, another 
aspect is um, dementia or what happens to so many people when they when they reach a certain age is that memory for example starts shutting off short-term memory starts shutting off um, that is another aspect of again you might not want to it's because I think madness sort of implies a kind of just what's the right way of saying it like a your capacity to interact with the world is running counter to the expected, right? So someone with dementia is not necessarily running counter to, they're trying, but they're they're now losing some of these capacities. Um, so <laughs> it's very complex and very strange, fascinating. Um, but then, as I mentioned in the beginning, there's a, the cultural use of the term madness in a more of a positive vein, which could, could represent a celebration that is accepted within certain bounds that goes off of the, t- the typical um, formalities, right? So like a party, you know, can be considered a time when you can... Um, interact with other people in ways that would normally be considered inappropriate, but in terms of a party, like Midnight Madness, you know, um, or of course the uh, the, the uh, ever-present, uh, you know, uh, use of the idea of a crazy character as uh, a salesman. You know, the salesman's gone kind of nuts and uh, <coughs> is, uh, and Crazy Eddie is a good example Crazy Eddie, our prices are insane, right? The idea is that the store where you buy like electronics in this case, the salesmen and the people running the store have gone nuts and the prices are so low because they're just completely insane. And you had like Daffy Dan's was another one, you know, because like Daffy means crazy. Bugs Bunny was a crazy rabbit. Daffy Duck was a crazy duck, right? Now, obviously, these characters are not mentally ill, but they are just in a way more embodying the trickster archetype, right? Which is a whole other topic, but the idea of a, of a being, a person or a character that uh, follows their own rules. They're above, they're, they're above the law. They're above the rules. They can just do what they want. Generally speaking, a trickster character is just doing things for their own amusement and their own fun. Not inherently malicious, but can be viewed as malicious uh, in how they and how they behave, in that they're not conforming, right? But I feel that, like Murph Campbell's Mountain Madness, right? It's a an event where each person can aspire to embody the the trickster archetype more. You see what I'm saying? Like you can uh, be above it all, not have to follow the rules, and um, do your own thing to have fun, you know. And not have to be under the thumb and not follow the structures of society, if even if temporarily, right? So I think in that sense, it's considered mad in the way um, not conforming to the uh, consensual formalities of day-to-day life, right? Which... You know, and people who 
just decide that they don't like some of the structures of society and want to live in their own way are considered nuts, you know, because they're following the, the, the beat of a different drummer, so to speak. Um, their capacities may not be diminished or altered, but they've just simply decided. And so this is another aspect of madness. If you decide to um, live life in a different way, it can be similar to um, what we think of as mental illness, right? I have to admit that this, this is very hard to uh, interpret all these, these different concepts, but I would say that the um, trickster archetype is very powerful. You know, the whole Andy Kaufman situation where a guy on the internet was pretending to be this comedian who did behave in a very trickster-like way, trickster archetype-like way in his life, Andy Kaufman, who died in 1984. This guy on the internet was pretending to be him, right? Who he, while Andy Kaufman was still alive, he expressed an interest in faking his own death as one aspect of his trickster type behavior. You know, my uh, interpretation of it is that he did actually die, unfortunately, uh, for him. And uh, but these there's people that are trying to perpetuate the myth that he really did uh, fake his own death. And I would say that, as I've been talking about a lot recently, um, the uh, that same archetype is something that I very much gravitated towards. Um, back in the 80s, for example, a lot of the movies were talking about people who would love to party and be cool and not have to dress the way other people dress or follow the rules of society because they're special, they're better, they're smarter. Just think real genius, the... Um, Val Kilmer character in Real Genius, you know, he's a genius, but he's he's living he's living life the way he wants to. So he's wearing like Hawaiian shirts and he's using science to just to have to, for hedonistic fun, etc. Right. So I know that with my um, interactions with Mad Mike and our Anything But Monday radio show and magazine, etc., we we did um, em- try embodying that kind of trickster man child kind of uh, attitude, you know. Which, looking back on the whole situation, there seemed to have been, uh, starting in the 60s with uh, one conspiracy theory about it, would be that the military-industrial complex was trying to find ways of maintaining control and maintaining endless warfare around the world by uh, neutralizing the effectiveness of youth in terms of uh, protesting what were clearly increasingly unjustified wars, for example. And one interpretation is that the creation of the hippie as sort of a, uh, you know, sort of childlike adults that were living a hedonistic um, kind of tricksterish lifestyle as in one sense of selling young people, young adults, this archetype Oh, you should be like this, right? It would make them generally less effective in terms of protesting these unjustified wars, right? So the whole Laurel Canyon scene, which is a fascinating thing to research, I think people are shocked to know that this is not a this is true. Jim Morrison of the Doors, his father 
was the admiral in charge of the, the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which did essentially start the American involvement in the Vietnam War, right? There's endless examples. Frank Zappa. These guys were all in the Laurel Canyon scene. Frank Zappa, for example, his father was a chemical weapons engineer. Frank Zappa's wife was in kindergarten with, in, on military bases with... Um, I think his... Yeah, they were like Jim Morrison and who had become um, Frank Zappa's wife were in kindergarten in, in school together on these military bases. The idea was the military-industrial complex um, used their own children, uh, the intelligence community, the old, the old money families, uh, to sort of kickstart this, this um, uh, cultural movement, you know. And the Grateful Dead, I think, as well, as much as I love them, there, there's indications that perhaps this was another vector of creating this sort of hippie, hedonist lifestyle, again, that the people would become an insular society, as the deadheads did become to some extent, that would be disconnected from the current affairs and would not protest the wars, for example. So I think this was a few years before my time, uh, but when I was a young adult in the 80s, I think that... Um, Another variant of this that was sort of shown in 80s movies like Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High and innumerable other characters, Animal House, these kinds of things were showing young adult, you know, uh, men in many cases that were um, these hedonistic, above-it-all, trickster-type characters that, again, it, it perhaps ultimately to the detriment of these people. So maybe I was... Uh, sold this vision of how I should be, you know. But then on the other hand, you could say maybe it's good if people are that way and the music that came out of Laurel Canyon was incredible. And, you know, there's a lot of other ways of looking at it. But I think the idea of, like, madness as this positive, like a party, you know, um, Sanity being associated with conforming to crushing uh, rules of society, pyramidal control structures, you know. Um, you know, how sane is it ultimately to completely accept mainstream narratives, you know? Uh, that itself could be considered, a, you know, the, like, you know, the mainstream narratives of, of today, for example... They don't ring true to me. I try to be a realist. I try to get along in society. But I see people that watch like a news channel and they believe everything they're saying on there. And I find that to be a little bit, you know, of a stretch to believe that stuff. But anyway, another extremely complex and difficult topic, uh, the topic of madness. And it's, uh, yeah, it's ultimately... There's a, I think I've laid out a lot of ideas, but very few conclusions, just a lot of questions. But it really does cut to the heart of, uh, you know, the human condition in so many ways. Is anyone sane? I don't know. But uh, imagine they found, like, one sane person in the world. <laughs> I don't know. I think as, as that one aspect I was talking about, that to be typical you need to be a little insane yes anyways back to you pq 
Ooh, some layers there that uh, I may even go back and listen to that again, and uh, I'd commend you to as well because this that there's some richness in all of that that uh, <clears throat> bears closer examination. I would uh, venture to say uh, a good one, Frank. Uh, the the thought provoking stuff. And, uh, yeah, we got a little edgy and controversial here and there, but uh, I think the uh, madness of it all comes through, and that's really what was key here. And uh, you you could have had your chance to uh, put your two cents, and then you can always do a follow-up, and if you do a follow-up, it will either wind up on the next Overnightscape Central, or uh, it might even inspire me to get the Quake Reversal satellite rolling again, because that needs to happen. Because that needs to happen. Material ideas are stacking up, and there's there's just all kinds of other stuff going on here at the Institute just now, as you may well imagine. And uh, there's there's rumors now now that that, that now don't go a hundred percent quote me on this. But uh, I understand that uh, we may actually see a physical manifestation of Frank Edward Nora and uh, Denise right here uh, in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. This, this may be happening. So uh, keep your ears peeled if that sounds like a fascinating uh, summit meeting. And really, this, it's when people who have known each other for little, I mean, I have quote unquote known and interacted directly on a regular basis with Frank since at you know what 2010 at the least when I started doing stuff. I'm about to celebrate my 12th year here, so uh, yeah, close to 12 years that we have gone back and forth uh, in little chatty windows and on various uh, group programs that uh, have, until the exit ramp, even that was kind of a rarity, uh, and little chats, but uh, wow, actually like meeting, like a person, this, this, is, this, this could be interesting. Uh, I've only met uh, Bicoastal Becky in person of the Onsug uh, hosts, and of course, you know, those who I actually know, uh, this, this is Stephen Jules Rubin, uh, I've known also for many years, but uh, he's way up there in Santa Fe, so we only know each other now through, uh, through, the, through the interwebs, through electronic means, and speaking of electronic means, um, yeah, this was a good show. And uh, we, we pulled together from many places to make this happen. And next week, you are invited. You got a pen? Write this email address down. Because here's, I'm, we're going to try this different. First, I'm going to make you write down this email address. Are you ready? You're, you're sure now. You got your crayon or your little typey thing or whatever you're using. Good. Now write this K P Q R dot T O R C at Gmail dot com. You got that? Now, next week's topic here on the Overnightscape Central is reading and writing. Yeah, that's a wide open thing. 
uh, and uh, I will well imagine that uh, almost every one uh, is uh, one or the other uh, if you have made it this far into an overnight scape central you probably do one or the other if not both and have ideas and thoughts and perhaps even would like to do some reading of your writing or uh, some writing on your readings or uh, it's a monology and entertainium and driveline of your own design to share with us here next week on the Overnightscape Central. And we've rolled into April. And uh, the deadline for next week's show is Monday, April 11th, 2022. Uh, get it to me by about 7 p.m. Mountain Time, USA. Greenwich Mean Time, minus 7. And uh, you will be included. If you're a little later, whatever, you're probably still in. Worst case scenario, you wind up on the Quake Reversal satellite, and worse things have happened to better people, I assure you. That's the other show that I do, but I haven't been doing very much lately. Uh, if you wonder, and you're looking, where are these Quake Reversal satellites? Uh, if you go to the onsug.com site, and uh, you go to where all the tags are on the right, the big alphabetical list, if you go to PQ, there is, I mean, you can go back and back and back so many pages because I've got like 1,600, 1,700 uh, podcasts archived there. And of course, on archive.org, there are all kinds of unsug archival collections. I mean, if you really need to hear more PQ River, there is so much of it. And it's, it, don't worry that it's like current events and it's, it, it's most of it is pop culture fringe driveline that uh, should be pretty uh, cool night radio and uh, very timeless and lots of little weird quirky music things from uh, our very own orchestrates and uh, recombinant bands and collaboratoriums and uh, yeah all kinds of good stuff and uh, there is your shameless self promotion but uh, do know that almost any program you listen to in the onsug is quality stuff i mean read through the descriptions and just look through the programs that are offered there and uh, they'll either resonate with you or they won't and there's you know if they don't that's you know perhaps unfortunate but there is so much entertainium out there uh, I'm sure you will live and so will we. But if this stuff resonates with you, there is so little of it, and especially so much of it in one place. And once again, that email address, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And uh, so many thanks to Dave in Kentucky, Eddie, and Frank for... Uh, being the glue, well, actually, I guess I'm the glue, being the content that I get to be the glue in between and uh, speak in driveline. And uh, we'll do this all again, hopefully, next week. Uh, we'll all gather around uh, whatever our device is. And uh, le left to our own devices, uh, if nothing else, remember, we should all set the controls for the heart of the fun. 
catch you next week.